Welcome to the Small Business Big Impact Podcast, where we speak to people and planet positive small and medium businesses and startups about how they are creating an outsized impact and how other small businesses can too. In this interview, we're talking about banking for good, creating dividends for people and the planet. Recorded live with audience Q&A. Our guest today is Jane Kern, Senior Manager Impact Finance at Bank Australia, Australia's first customer-owned bank. Jane is responsible for measuring and reporting on how Bank Australia's lending and investments impact people and planet, and previously led the bank's switch to 100% renewable electricity. Recently, she brought to market the bank's clean energy home loan, a mortgage that rewards customers who buy or build green homes or make ambitious green upgrades backed by investment from the Clean Energy Finance Corporation. Prior to joining Bank Australia, Jane worked with BASE, a Swiss foundation focused on driving investment in sustainable energy and Australian Red Cross. Jane holds a Master of Sustainable Development from the University of Basel, Switzerland, and Bachelors of Business and Communications from Monash University. Welcome, Jane. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Um, I'll also give a bit of background on Bank Australia to set the scene of this interview. Bank Australia is widely viewed as Australia's most ethical, socially responsible bank. Larger than an SME, admittedly, we're starting slightly larger than um, the target of these interviews, but it is very small compared to its big four competitors in the banking space. Bank Australia is a B Corp and member of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, which is a group of banks around the world with a shared mission to use finance to create positive economic, social, and environmental outcomes. The bank has been carbon neutral since 2011, run on 100% renewable energy since 2019, and also provide carbon offsets for their car loans. 4% of the bank's profit goes to the Impact Fund, which supports conservation, financial inclusion, Indigenous reconciliation, human rights, and educational advantage, and those areas are based on specific input from their customers and what they care the most about. This also includes things like community customer grants and the Conservation Reserve, a highly biodiverse nature reserve in Western Victoria that the bank protects and manages. And we're going to particularly talk today about Jane's area within the bank, its impact finance approach, which includes both a hard exclusion against loans to fossil fuels, live animal export, gambling, arms, and tobacco, as well as positive criteria, selectively directing their loans to impact projects like sustainable house developments, such as the clean energy home loans that we've uh, just mentioned, and the renewable energy projects and community organizations. Bank Australia says its purpose is to inspire and empower its customers to use their money to create a world where people and the planet thrive. So, Jane, can you talk a bit about the journey that Bank Australia has gone on through you know, decades to become what many would consider Australia's most socially responsible bank? Yeah, sure, Thank, thanks, Sarah. So Bank Australia comes from the, the credit union movement, which means I guess it's always had social responsibility at its foundation. Um, so it was initially founded over 60 years ago as the, as the credit union for um, CSIRO employees, so scientists. Um, and, and since then, 72 different credit unions have, have merged together to become what, what Bank Australia is today. 
And so the, the bank really started its modern sustainability journey in the early 2000s. After, after all of these mergers with so many different organisations, I think that was a really key question for the bank around like what it was that united the organisation and, and the customers who own it. Um, so, and, and the answer was really that these customers were socially aware. Like they cared about people and the planet and were, I guess, conscious about wanting to do things a little bit differently. And, and this, this led the bank to taking some really early pioneering action. We, we started offsetting the emissions from our car loans as early as 2004. Um, and we purchased the first of our conservation reserve properties back in, in 2008. So we were starting back then to sort of, you know, to try out things to really act on those customers' concerns about, you know, the, the environment and, and social issues. Um, so I joined the bank in, in 2015, um, not, not long after we changed our name to, to Bank Australia. And I, I think like Bank Australia was already a sustainability leader then, and it was, it was great to get to work on things like our carbon neutrality and switching us over to 100% renewable electricity. I think in terms of our journey, what, what I would say has really shifted since then is, and, and I guess seen us take our approach to the next level, is, is working on really intentional alignment of our core business, so you know, banking, um, and you know, trying to align that with, with our values and our customers' values. So like a really big step for us was in 2018, we, we launched the current iteration of our responsible banking policy, which you've sort of you've touched on it. It sets out for customers the, the things that we, you know, we don't fund, um, you know, fossil fuels, live, live animal export, as well as the things that we do. So, you know, loans to our individual customers, as well as specific sectors that we're really focused on, like community housing, specialist disability accommodation, green housing, that, that type of thing. And, and so this policy really became the foundation of our clean money positioning. And that's, you know, that's really all about empowering customers to, to understand how their money is used and, and align their money with their values. Yeah, great. And clearly your customers have really engaged with that stance and um, you've been attracting such growth. Um, I must admit, I'm also a recent uh, convert to, to Bank Australia. I know it took me a really long time considering um, how my previous involvement with Bank Australia, but um, it seems like every socially conscious person that I know these days has, has swapped to Bank Australia. Um, can you touch on how your sustainability commitments have benefited the business? Yeah, well, look, I think, you know, over that sort of last 15 plus years, you know, sustainability has become really core to our positioning. And, you know, it's our point of differentiation in the market and it's a key reason for, for customers to join us, as you say. So, and I think that's really something that's quite self-perpetuating for us. You know, as a customer-owned bank, we're guided by our customers' expectations. And the more socially aware customers that we have that care about these things that join us, that the higher that level of expectation gets. So I think that's one thing that just keeps driving us forward. So... Yeah, our growth off the back of this has been really strong. Um, we've got now close to 180,000 customers around Australia. And in the last financial year, we had an average of 2,000 new customers joining the bank each week. Um, when we when we survey these new customers about why they've chosen Bank Australia, they, they tell us they've, they've chosen us because of our approach to responsible banking. So around 85% of customers that, that join us give that reason, which is you know really great to get that reinforcement of the things that we're doing, I suppose. Um, you know, I touched on the clean money positioning, um, which we introduced back in 2018. And I think that's really helped us to get a lot clearer in articulating that purpose, um, which has, you know, seen us grow more quickly. So look, in, we were growing really well prior to the launch of the clean money. We had an average of around 1,000 new customers joining the bank each week. 
each week. No, we're not there yet. Each month. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, since since that time, we've really seen a huge uptick, and that sort of average of around two thousand customers joining us a month, um, you know, has been really steady since then, which is you know great to see. I think also like in terms of growth, you know, just beyond those sort of simple customer growth numbers, I think things that are really important for us in this are, you know, growth in, in our target market customers. So we, you know, we define our target market as, as socially aware people within Australia and we're seeing, you know, a, a ever increasing share of the new customers joining the bank being from that target market, which is which is good. And I think, you know, one of the other things is that we've seen really steady decreases in the average age of customers. So that's really important for us as a customer-owned bank coming from the, um, you know, a, a credit union history an ageing customer base is something that the customer and banking sector has, you know, needed to grapple with, you know, across across the board. And for us, you know, we've really been able to, you know, buck that trend, which is important to the future sustainability of, of our business. So I guess we're seeing a lot of benefits from it there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing that um, you mentioned, I think it was 85% of your customers specifically nominate the uh, responsible positioning of the bank as the reason for joining. So um, clearly you've hit a nerve almost, you know, you're really kind of filling a gap in, in what people are looking for in that space. Um, so your particular area within the bank is impact finance. So can you expand a little bit more on, on what that means to you on an everyday basis and, and how you actually not like obviously we've spoken about the negative screening, but how do you actually assess um, where your money, where the your customers' money is going to be directed? Yeah, sure. So yeah, so I, I sit within the bank's impact finance team, and I guess the, the goal of our team is to grow the bank's share of our, our lending and our investments that have a positive impact for, for people and planet. So as you say, you know, all of Bank Australia's lending and investment is subject to our responsible banking policy, which means we're screening out the things we've talked about, you know, fossil fuels, gambling, tobacco, weapons, etc. And look, this is this is great. And as I've touched on, um, you know, it's a it's a big differentiator for Bank Australia, um, particularly compared to, to compared to some of the major banks. There are, you know, other customer-owned banks doing great things in that space as well. Um, but you know, I think ultimately we're we're really keen to also be directing money towards positive change wherever we can. Um, and look, we've been—I think we've been doing this in in some ways for a long time. You know, we we made our first loan to the community housing sector to build more affordable housing for people who needed it 15 years ago. Um, you know, we've been participating in different programs to help first home buyers into the market. But what we really needed to do, I think, um, particularly off the back of that sort of clean money that we're putting out there to the world, is really lift that and, and be very intentional and strategic about trying to grow that, that type of lending, um, you know, that's that's intentionally got a positive impact for, for people and, and all the planet. Um, so, yeah, we, we formed the, the Impact Finance team to do that in, in 2019. Um, and so I guess for us, you know, this involves seeking out customers and projects as well as like retail pro programs that can help to um, actually do more positive things. Um, also just working with our treasury team that has to invest in bonds and that sort of thing to try to invest in green and social bonds wherever we can, you know, get those funds directed towards wind farms or community housing, et cetera. Um, and, and, and the other thing I suppose attached to that is just starting to really build out our capacity to kind of measure and, and tell the story of, of the impact that these assets are actually having. So look, many of my colleagues in the impact finance team work in commercial lending. 
um, that's lending money to community housing providers, specialist disability accommodation providers, but like not-for-profits, for-purpose business, um, or also businesses, any kind of business, just making environmental upgrades, for example. Um, and here we kind of we seek to use our, our banking knowledge as well as our understanding of those positive impacts that the customers are, are wanting to achieve just to, to support our customers in doing what they do for, for people and the planet. Um, uh, just to give an example, I suppose, to help bring that to life, what, you know, one that we're really proud of is the work that we've done with in the specialist disability accommodation sector over the last sort of five plus years. So under the National Disability Insurance Scheme or, or NDIS, um, there's, there's a stream of funding available for participants who have complex care needs to get into a suitable accommodation. So, you know, for example, there are a lot of young people living in nursing homes just because they don't otherwise have ways to be cared for in the you know, in an appropriate way and have accessible, um, you know, accessible accommodation. And, you know, that's absolutely not ideal. So we were one of the early banks in, in the sector understanding how we could be using specialist disability accommodation payments that these, um, you know, that these customers are getting or, or that organisations are getting to be able to actually, you know, fund and build more of this accommodation. Um, much of my work is focused more on our retail lending. So, you know, we are predominantly a retail bank and so then the thinking is well how can we be doing things that um you know are, are making the retail assets that we're doing like regular mortgages be um you know have have greater impact you know one way that we can do that is um by making the, the assets greener for example so we've introduced a clean energy home loan that gives you know rewards customers for building or buying a new green home or making ambitious green upgrades to their home so trying to make that more impactful we also work on quite a few programs that are specifically designed to, you know, help lower income borrowers enter the market and, you know, build their household wealth and, and that sort of thing there. So, you know, I think um, I, I've mentioned briefly, one thing that we're working on across all of this then is, is also just how we actually measure and report on the impacts that that funding is having. Um, I think it's that's something that's really important to us um, and it's a trend we're expecting to see more of. Um, you know, I think as, as expectations of, around finance shift generally um, an awareness of sort of environmental social governance or, or ESG issues grows um, and I guess just like one thought to add there in terms of relevance for small business is that this I think this expectation of needing to understand the, the positive and, and negative impacts of what gets financed um, is likely to start having some flow-on effects for, for businesses that are that are accessing that finance so I think traditionally banks lending money have needed to ask questions to satisfy themselves about credit risk. You know, can the borrower repay the money? And, you know, what would happen in a situation where they couldn't? But I think this, this trend towards understanding environmental social governance risk also means that, you know, we're expecting to see more questions asked around the impacts alone will have on, on society and the environment. What we certainly need to do, um, you know, we certainly need to do part of this as part of our responsible banking policy um, and, you know, like to make sure that we're not lending to the fossil fuel sector or that organisation's not involved in gambling. But I think as we're maturing our, pro our approach to this and being more intentional about our impact, you know, we're also trying to work with the borrowers to understand, um, you know, what it is that they're wanting to achieve and, and how we could be measuring what they're, what they're doing as part of that. Yeah, so in terms of that measurement, how does that look like in terms of actually coming up with um, almost, you know, aggregating so many different types of impact? How do you communicate that? <laughs> 
That is the million dollar question, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, and, and look, that's absolutely something that we're working on at the moment is, is sort of building out a more structured impact management framework to actually interpret, you know, how we see our role as a financial intermediary and how we can kind of facilitate change and, and measure the impacts of that. We're working on a sector by sector basis. And look, there are some really, um, I'm going to say simple metrics that we can use coming back to that specialist disability accommodation example, how many homes have been created for people living with a disability for the green mortgage, you know, what are the carbon emissions reductions associated with that. But I think where it's getting quite interesting and, and where, you know, where we're hoping to get into more over the next few years is, is, you know, if we're thinking about somebody who has moved into a specialist disability accommodation apartment, what does that mean in terms of their quality of life, you know, having moved from a nursing home to really, you know, fabulous accommodation now that's really suited to their needs. Um, and, yeah, so I think that is, um, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting challenge for us. And I think the thing that we're grappling with as well is, you know, we say we lend to a lot of not-for-profits or, you know, for smaller for-purpose businesses that are doing this type of stuff and how do we work with them in a way that's um, constructive and not putting additional burden on already stretched organisations. So, um, yeah, but I mean, so we there are kind of frameworks and things that we use. We reference the sustainable development goals and things like the impact management project and that that are really good tools out there. And, you know, we're working to sort of adapt those as best we can. Yeah, great. So I'm sure people will be watching, you know, what comes of that and watching your approach as one of the leaders in this space to learn from, too. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, so. Talking now, I'd love to talk about um, the bank's approach to carbon because you've been carbon neutral since 2011, which is um, obviously a leader in, in that space. Not many organizations were doing that back then. Um, and you've also been 100% renewable powered since 2019. Um, but now, obviously, the pressure is starting to come onto businesses to go beyond carbon neutral to go net zero. So can you talk a bit about what that looks like for Bank Australia? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so um, we've been carbon neutral, as you say, since 2011. And this means we've been measuring the emissions from running our business, working to reduce them wherever we can, and then buying carbon offsets to, you know, to balance out the rest. And so for a long time, we've been measuring the emissions from, from our cars, from using gas to, to heat our buildings, running the electricity for our computers and the fridges and the servers and all the things you need to run a business. Um, so in, in carbon accounting terminology, these are called your, your scope one emissions from, from fuel you directly burn and your scope two emissions from, from any electricity that you purchase. And so as, as part of being carbon neutral, we've also been measuring several sources of what you call our scope three emissions or our, our value chain emissions. Um, and so this includes things like you know, flights, the paper we buy, hotels for business travel, and a few years back, we also started including emissions from some of our key suppliers, like data centres, for example. Um, and, and so what this means in practice is that we have to go to these suppliers and, and ask them about their emissions, you know, whether they use gas, how much electricity they use, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, the expectations around that sort of scope three um, value chain emissions are, are changing and, and more and more businesses are measuring and offsetting their emissions. So I think the potential flow and effect there for you know, for small businesses, for example, is like particularly those that operate in a B2B type space is that we're likely to see increased requests from data for those organisations that are doing their footprint and including more sources of those sort of scope three emissions um, like, like we have done. I think, um, you know, talking about net zero, that's really then 
as you say, sort of shifting the goalposts a little bit and for, for a couple of reasons. So credible net zero claims should have, um, you know, a much greater focus on emissions reduction rather than simply offsetting. I think carbon neutrality has always had an element of that in it, but I think that that sort of recognition that we can't offset forever, like we all actually just have to have fewer emissions, um, you know, is, is really growing. Um, so, yeah, there's that, there's that stronger focus on, the, on reduction. Um, it's still emerging, but there's a stronger focus also on sort of interim targets that are related to sort of global emissions reduction goals. And for us as a financial institution, there's a really interesting aspect to it, I suppose, in that there's a big shift in our scope three emissions to what we've traditionally done. So I've mentioned some of the sources that we've been sort of adding in over the years, but what's what's really big is that I suppose we're now working on measuring and including our, our financed emissions. So that's the emissions from the things that we've lent to and invest in. Um, and so, you know, at first glance, you'd think, oh, for us, we've got it kind of easy. We don't fund the fossil fuel sector, all good. Um, and, and, you know, that definitely does make life easier. But, you know, we do fund mortgages. And actually, if, if you add up the emissions from 20,000 mortgages, that's 20,000 homes, that's, that's actually quite a few. And, and that's actually quite an interesting challenge for us now in terms of that engagement with customers, both retail customers as well as commercial customers. So, you know, that we're also then looking at the corporate loans that we have. Um, you know, we need to start thinking about how we're going to collectively work to reduce the emissions in, in line with actually getting to net zero. Um, so we're, we're doing a big piece of work on that at the moment. I don't 100% know what our targets are um, are going to look like, but we're up to our eyeballs in very interesting spreadsheets and models. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think there, again, that, that sort of concept of us needing to engage further beyond our business to actually understand um, the emissions of our, of our borrowers. So, you know, at the moment, we're just, to get our footprint together, we're just working with, you know, as much average data on that as we can, but we're looking to a future and thinking, well, how can we actually get better information from some of the businesses that we learn to, um, you know, from some of the households that we learn to around, um, around their emissions so we can know how we're actually tracking in terms of our progress. Um, I guess just, you know, putting that small business lens on it again, I think that um, thinking about our, like, so if you're thinking about carbon accounting, um, as I said, we've kind of been doing bits and pieces of it for a long time and, and constantly maturing our, pro our approach. And, you know, I suppose when you, you know, we're, we're talking about today and, and thinking about small businesses, I'm, it's an interesting one, I think, um, in terms of, looking at your journey and, and where you might want to start. Um, you know, the, the first thing I would probably say is just um, thinking about why you're interested in this and, and why it's important to you. Um, you know, for some businesses, being carbon neutral might be important to you, for example. Um, it might be because that aligns with your values or it helps to bolster your, your sustainability positioning. That's that's definitely been the case for us, and so that's been an important thing to do. Um, I think for, for other businesses, it might be more driven by these requests from, from customers for, for data and information. You know, I mentioned our data centres and us suddenly knocking on the door being like, how much power did you use last year? You know? <laughs> um, so that, that sort of increase in those types of requests might be a, you know, might be a driver for you as well. Um, but I think, you know, if you're looking at this and, and starting, about, starting on your own journey, understanding your why and, and what's, what's sort of motivating you to, to be going down that path, I think can be really helpful in setting those parameters. Yeah. Um, 
In terms of small businesses, um, you know, you mentioned knocking on the door and asking about, um, you know, can you tell us how much um, power you're using and things like that. Do you think that the demands on small businesses from banks are going to be increasing in the next couple of years? And also, um, do you think that there's other ways um, that it's going to, um, you know, that the relationship, I guess, between banks and small business um, customers is going to change in terms of, you know, perhaps that changing their, um, you know, interest rate or or changing their loan conditions or or things like that. Yeah, look, I think I think that's a good that's a good question. I think we're definitely seeing a you know proliferation of of products that are targeting you know environmental upgrades. But you know, Bank Australia, for example, we have a, a product that's called an environmental upgrade agreement, and that involves it's it's a specific type of finance that's available for upgrading commercial properties. That's like an agreement between the council and the borrower and um, and the bank, and you pay back via the council rates. There are other, um, you know, I think Commonwealth Bank recently launched a loan that's also around environmental upgrades for small businesses and that. So I think, you know, it, with with all banks starting to think more about their emissions and, and what they're financing and, and look at ways to reduce those, we'll probably see engagement, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, a, a greater set of products and incentives trying to target those types of things, um, as, as well as potentially, yeah, potentially down the track, things more like data requests and that, that sort of thing to help work out um, you know, emissions from the, the finance portfolios as, as banks start to think more in that way around what the changes that they are needing to, to create. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving into the next kind of area of Bank Australia that I wanted to chat about. Um, Bank Australia gained B Corp certification last year which congratulations, because I know that that can be a big effort <laughs> and it is a big achievement. Um, and I saw that Bank Australia actually achieved 104 points, which is especially impressive given that the qualifying threshold is 80 points. And they say that the average business is at about 50 points. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like of applying and getting um, validated, I guess, to achieve that certification? And um, especially for a business that's already a standout, you know, how that process perhaps contributed or, or was an interesting um, thing to go through? Was it useful? Uh, were there any surprises? Yeah, um, good question. So I think, yeah, so we became a B Corp um, at a stage like by last year we were already fairly advanced in our sustainability journey and so yeah I mean just as a quick background on on B Corp certification you know there are over 3,000 companies around the world that are certified B Corps which means they're committed to the highest environmental and social standards in you know across a range of their businesses and so to to get this certification you start by completing a tool called the B Impact Assessment um, which has a questions across five areas. So you've got governance, workers, community environment, and, and customers. Um, and so, yeah, to, and, and as you say, Sarah, like to be able to certify, you need to get a score of at least 80 on that. And so when we did our sort of first pass at the, at the scoring, you know, based on our existing efforts, it was, we were going to, like we were over the threshold by, you know, by the looks of it. And so for us, it was really a process of, you know, going through, um, you know, doing that first pass of filling out the questions and then going and collecting, you know, really importantly, going and actually collecting all the evidence, the, the different policy to prove that or the reporting statistic to show that and all, all of that sort of thing. Um, 
I think it's interesting. So I was in some early sort of B Corp workshops, um, you know, learning how to do the B impact assessment. Um, we were probably one of the larger organisations there. And I think compared to, there, there are lots of questions, I suppose, particularly in like the governance and workers section where they would ask for your policy on this and that sort of thing. Whereas that, that was sort of reasonably easy for us as a, you know, we're, in, we're a bank, we're in a highly regulated sort of sector, we've got a policy for everything. Um, and, but, you know, for some of the smaller organisations there, they didn't necessarily have that sort of foundation in some of the documentation of things, even if they were doing it. And so for them, it was a, a little bit around actually using the, the B impact assessment to sort of say, oh, well, if I were going to document this and that, then we could do it that way, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, for, for us, I think the the value in in doing B Corp certification was one to just to, you know, actually have that certification to, to bring a lot of our different sustainability things together under one banner, I suppose. We've been doing a, a lot of, you know, related but separate things for many years. And I think that one of the challenges that comes as part of that then is how do you actually report on that at an organisation-wide level? Um, and, and how do you sort of track track progress over time? And what the B Corp score has really given us is it looks at your operations as well as your you know, it has picked in there for your, your impact business model for us, things like green lending or, or you know, lending to disadvantaged customers, for example. Um, and and it, it culminates all of that into, you know, one big score that we're actually now able to use as a corporate kind of KPI and, and sort of set targets for into, you know, the next three and five years of, of where we'd like to, to get to. And so we've kind of been able to use that B impact assessment to, um, you know, to, to actually then develop a, a, what we're calling our force for good strategy that identifies some priority actions for, for the next few years. So, yeah, look, I, don't, I don't think there were a lot of surprises. I think I would say it's not surprising, but there was a lot of rigour, I suppose, in the certification process. So I mentioned that thing around getting evidence. And I say that, I mean, I did the initial first pass of our um, B Corp thing and one of my wonderful colleagues actually went through and, and did all the evidence gathering and providing that to the B Corp people. So I hear it's painful, but I haven't experienced the direct pain, I suppose. Um, no, but I, I think there, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say, yeah, so I wouldn't say it was a surprise, but I would say it's, you know, really pleasant and reassuring to know that there is that rigour there from the, you know, from the B Corp assessment and, and um, you know, the really clear need to, to really do demonstrate that you're doing the things that are in there. And, and it sounds like you were saying it is it was useful to look at all of those different initiatives under one banner, which yeah, yeah. because they're so embedded <laughs> in the way you do business as well. <laughs> um, now, I always encourage small businesses to not try to do everything, not, not try to do it all, but to focus on their sustainability superpower is what I call it, the one area that they could have the greatest impact and they're uniquely placed to influence. Um, usually that will be aligned with a business's kind of core purpose or the product or services that they actually provide. So what would you say is Bank Australia's sustainability superpower? I would say, our sustainability superpower is connecting customers with the power of their money. Um, you know, you say aligning to core business there, you know, we're a bank, we're all about money, but money can have a lot more purpose if we're really thinking intentionally about how it gets used. And, and so I really think that idea of aligning your money with your values can be, a, a, you know, a really powerful force for change in, in setting society's expectations of the finance sector and, and you know, making, you know, for people to make their voices heard and what they actually want to see in the world. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, prior to working at Bank Australia, I was working at a climate finance organisation and that was where that penny just sort of dropped of like, oh, wow, money is so important, you know, in shaping the world that we live in. You know, what gets financed or doesn't get financed is is, is a really powerful factor in, in, you know, what we actually see happen in the world. And I think what's been really exciting for us as we've sort of had that, you know, building that clean money movement is we sort of see, you really get to see people see that click for people and they're like hey hang on my money's doing what oh well no I don't want that what can what can my money do and I I I feel like you know I've I've touched on the growth that we we've been seeing we're absolutely seeing people tap into that but we're still at a really early stage and I'm I guess excited to sort of see what role Bank Australia might be able to just play in in kickstarting that conversation yeah as you say money makes the world turn right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so if you want it to turn a different direction, then you put your money in that direction. Um, and, and they do say, you know, vote with your vote in the ballot and vote with your wallet. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good superpower to have. Um, and just a reminder for everybody on the call to go ahead and pop um, any questions that you have for Jane or, you know, about the, the space in general or even for me, pop those in the chat and we'll get to the Q&A in a moment. Um, but for now, I'll ask my um, the one question that I always ask all of my guests. What is your number one tip for small businesses looking to be more sustainable? Mm. So I think I think my number one tip would be to in, invest some time to to really understand and articulate your why. And I know that's easy for me to say working in a larger business with lots of time. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I think that's potentially all the more important for a small business to, to spend that little bit of time up front. Why is it that you want to pursue sustainability and, and why does it matter for your business and your strategy? I think, you know, as, as I mentioned at the start, like our customers are really our why and, and their expectations. And I, I really find that guiding light very helpful when making decisions recommending what we should what we should do you know we're always sort of linking back to what our customers have told us that they care about um and I think it's also really helpful to just keep you going when things get tough is is knowing why you're doing it um because you know sustainability is not sometimes you're in there and it's really hard and you try to get it all done and it's it, it can be messy but you know I think if you've spent that time trying to know why it is you're doing it and and that link to your business then that can help you get through a lot of a lot of other things I would also just I suppose say that your why doesn't have to be perfect it will evolve over time um but yeah spend a bit of time with a pencil and a piece of paper or whatever you do to do your thinking and um, and get that done yeah um and we we actually had in um the summit earlier this year um someone who was specifically talking about how to find your purpose in business so if anyone who is watching now or listening to this later um go and check Fiona Kalaki's um session because she talks about how to find what is most important to you by looking at your values using um personality tests and things like that so um absolutely agree with you there Jane um so any questions please do pop them in the chat um, but for now, I, I would love to hear um, anything that you've learned about actually embedding these things in the organization. You know, um, being a 
relatively small bank. I think that Bank Australia is somewhat lean and, you know, there really is that commitment from the very top levels of the organisation, which is um, so important, you know, really can be the change. Um, but has there been anything that you've, that you feel the bank has had to shift internal approach over the years to actually make sustainability be a little bit more embedded, perhaps, you know, in other parts of the business that are less connected with that mission? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really great question. Um, and it's something that we grapple with all the time, I think, you know, it's sort of, we've had some success in doing that. We're not 100% there yet, but it's something that we're always working on. I think you touch on the fact that we are small compared to other banks. And I think that that's a really important thing to, um, you, you know, for us, like we're very well resourced compared to a small business, but we're trying to do things that are the same things as the enormous, very well resourced banks do with, with very, you know, few people. So, look, I think, you know, we try to convene, you know, when we've got something that we're working on together, like this climate action plan work that I touched on before, you know, we convene a group of people from all around the business. Generally speaking, I think, you know, people that work at Bank Australia are, you know, very values aligned and, and very interested in stuff. So it's about finding opportunities for people to actually connect in with work that they are keen to do and, and supporting them to do that and build it into their processes. I've done a lot of work over the last couple of years. We, we mentioned the, the clean energy home loan. You know, that was really a, a big piece in terms of getting out to our entire retail network, um, you know, to, to get them starting talking about green mortgages, green homes with customers that were just coming for a loan. Um, our credit assessment team that, you know, are normally checking payslips and things like that are now looking at, um, you know, NATO certificates to work out what the energy rating of a home is and, and all of that. So we've had a lot of examples of where we just, you know, where we're like, well, we need to do something. We need pretty much the whole business working with us on this. And we've just gone out and tried to train wherever we can, um, as, as well as just, um, I guess, I, I'm always kind of back to that thing around the why as I usually really try to spend some time with people talking about the bigger picture I'll be talking about how we need to be reducing carbon emissions across you know the, the built environment we finance 20,000 homes we need to shift the emissions coming from that and this loan that you are doing is actually helping to do that you know um, so just trying to sort of help connect I suppose up to that that bigger picture of that change that we're trying to create yeah perfect um, now, Corin, thank you for sending in your question. He says, nice to see you, Jane. Uh, what do you think are the challenges of the next two years now that ESG has become so big in finance? Yeah, great, great question. So, look, I think challenges for, I think some of the challenges are just the increasing complexity of of. ESG issues coming coming out and things that we need to be getting our heads around and, and train back to that idea of training, like training other people to be to be thinking about. Um, you know, I mentioned brief, you know, we mentioned briefly that Bank Australia screens out intensive animal farming, for example. I've learned way more about intensive animal farming than I would ever have expected over the last couple of years, trying to grapple with this and, and train our staff on it. But we still feel like we're at the tip of the iceberg. And that's just one issue. We've also got things like modern slavery, um, you know, or large organisations needing to comply with um, new federal legislation around modern slavery. How can we actually be, um, you know, screen, like better screening our commercial borrowers to, to be checking whether there's modern slavery in their value chains? That's, that's a tricky thing to be doing. It's a really valuable thing to be doing. But I guess just so many emerging and, and thorny issues. I think also, you know, for us, 
as a, a smaller organisation, it's sort of knowing where to go next and where to be to be ahead of the curve in terms of the positive impact thing. Um, I've been super thrilled to see, you know, when we launched our green mortgage um, nearly two years ago now, there weren't really many others out there in, in the market at that point in time. We'd tried having one 10 plus years ago, which had didn't it was probably a bit before its time and hadn't worked as well as this current one has. Um, and there are a couple of ones floating around out there, but you know, we, we launched this one and it was very market leading. We in that, you know, in the last year, like there have been, you know, five or so really high quality, different green home loan type products um, launched, which is you know, I'd sit there and I'm like super excited, but then I think, what am I going to do next, you know, <laughs> to stay ahead of that curve? <laughs> and it, it's, you know, I think it's like that. Um, it's, so it's, you know, I think it's one of those things that's fantastic to see the, the pace of change that's happening. For us, where we've built our positioning around being sustainability leaders, it's then always the question of like, well, how, you know, what's next and how do you kind of stay ahead of that curve? Yeah, that was that was actually going to kind of be my question as well as, you know, what is coming up for Bank Australia? What are the, I know that you've recently launched a new strategy to 2025, I think it was. Um, so are there any areas that are kind of what's next for Bank Australia? Um, yeah, look, that's that's a great question. I think for us, what I've touched on there is is really a key focus for us. So our new strategy, I suppose, to 2025 focuses on being a good bank. And that's really, you know, making sure that we can serve our customers in the best way possible. Obviously, digital transformation, those, you know, all of those types of things that are just absolutely necessary to be a good bank that people want to bank with. And the other aspect of it is around being a force for good. So understanding how we can really use the business of banking and, and use our, you know, the, the collective voice of our customers to be a force for good in the world. Um, you know, the things we've touched on today are I think we've laid a really solid foundation for that but I think we're then looking at you know how can we be continuing to scale up that impact both with the you know the impact finance things that we've talked about as well as you know just making sure our operations are doing the, the best possible things that they can be yeah okay um now we're we're basically at 45 minutes so unless someone quickly sneaks a question in um i'll go ahead and wrap so um obviously people would love to continue this conversation uh so how can people either learn more about what we've been talking about today or stay in touch with yourself or bank australia um so i think things that we've talked about today um you know, Bank Australia's website's got a lot of information about Bank Australia. I'll just give a plug for our annual impact report, which is, you know, a dense document, which I'd like to imagine lots of people read. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think there, um, if if you are interested in any of the detail of, of the things that we've talked about, like places like the appendices to that report, you know, step through things like our carbon account. So if you're thinking about, for example, like, who would I start working out what might be in my businesses carbon emissions going somewhere like that to look at a couple of other organizations carbon accounts you can look and say oh they've got cars and they've got electricity and they've got this and that do I have those things so that that type of thing from from our business or from others can be a really good resource just to to check out some of that um, in terms of resources of the topics we've talked about like B Corp website and the B impact assessment is, is a really good tool to go and look at um, external resources for carbon neutrality, also the, the Australian government's Climate Active website. So we're Climate Active certified and they've got lots of resources for, for businesses going through those things. Um, and I guess staying in touch, Bank Australia is on all the socials, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, 
Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, not the others because I don't know, I'm getting old. But, um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely, please reach out and, and stay in touch. Perfect. Yeah, I wasn't on the Twitter either until I <laughs> <answered> for business. <laughs> Um, wonderful. Thank you so much, Jane, for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you, everyone who has joined us today. Um, and I will add all of those resources into um, the email with the recording that you'll receive after this session and into the Facebook group, the Better Business Alliance. So if anyone um, is interested in meeting other um, small businesses working towards sustainability, please do join that group, join our community where you can network, share ideas and learn from each other. Um, and yes, I will end there. Thank you so much, Jane. Thank you for everything that you've been working on at Bank Australia. You truly have been leading the way. Thanks for having me. Thanks.